Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. West Coast, fantastic win over Richmond. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was an, an entertaining game. It was uh, got me off my chair at the end and screaming at the TV, doing a few fist pumps. Uh, it was actually fa- Richmond played well. It was a fantastic game, and that uh, goal sealer for Josh Kennedy at the end was uh, quite special, indeed. And then we move on to Collingwood, who, who removed uh, or Buckley has uh, moved on from coaching. So that's a bit of a strange twist of events at the Magpies. So just on the Magpies, I, I do expect some volatility in roles for the remainder of the season. But uh, yeah, great uh, career at Collingwood for Nathan Buckley. Yep. Yeah, agreed. He's uh, you know one of the best kicks I've ever seen as a player still to this day, and um, obviously a competitive fellow who um, got the best out of his players most of the time, and um, you sort of see, you saw him evolve as a coach from a, probably a, admittedly, and he'd probably admit this, as a one-eyed sort of thought process to open and um, a team player as a coach, if that makes sense, where getting his assistants involved and trusting those around him. So, um, yeah, big kudos to him, one of the champions of our game. Going to be interesting to see where Collingwood land with a senior coach at the end of this year. Okay, this is the final week of the bye period. Now, Jeb, this is the real test for those that have executed a successful bye plan. Your thoughts? Absolutely, mate. It's. Uh, <laughs> I reckon the, the ranks... Yeah, it is. The ranks are going to go funny this week. Um and I think there's going to be a few surprises from the, especially the top 5,000. Um, I don't think many have really forecasted probably barely 18. And then there's going to be a couple of surprises in that this week for sure. So a lot of us um, will need to just adjust and, and do the best as we can and, and really nail all our trades all four this week. Now, we had some late-breaking news last week. It was Ned Reeves, who injured his ankle on the Thursday during training. Now, the Hawks did announce him on Thursday night as still in the team, but he becomes a late withdrawal, and John Segler goes into that team. Now, John Segler does well, and all of a sudden, Ned Reeves, who looked like to be as pretty solid in that team, goes to, he's looking out for a game again this week. Now, he did return to training this week, and he looks like he's going to be available for um, the game in Launceston against Essendon. But does he play because Segler was so good? Maybe it's McAvoy that actually gets the rest. So who knows what's going on there with Rees? But what I do want to know from you is, what did you do? Because that was like an hour before kickoff. Mate, it threw me. It, it actually threw me because I tweeted out my progress trades to, to that point um, prior to the final teams being announced, and Reeves was there. So it was obviously... A quick reverse trades, and then I let it sit dormant for the rest of the night. Um, yeah, it's it's actually throwing me for this week too, because I've got Gorn and uh, Gorn and Darcy as my two rucks at the minute, both with the round fourteen buy, and my R three is is the supreme Paul Hunter, <laughs> who's also got the round fourteen buy, not doing much when he's on the field anyway. So, yeah, it's uh, it's actually throwing me my trade plans, which you know. That's okay. We'll uh, we'll need to adjust, but um, yeah, I'm probably on the back foot compared to most. What I did was um, I had a look at uh, this week upcoming and moved on James Jordan um, because he had a break even that may have been in trouble for him to reach. So I moved 
on him so it could save some salary into this week. It wasn't that much in the end, but it actually did work out for me for trades this week, so it wasn't that bad. All right, Jeff, let's get on to it. So as always, if you retweet any podcast link out, send out via Twitter on the Plus 6 Podcast Twitter feed. Uh, you go in with the chance of winning a Plus 6 Podcast cap. Keep your eye out on the Twitter feed for this week. We're going to give away some more uh, Plus 6 Podcast caps. So that'll be good to see on the Twitter feed for those successful in gaining a cap. Also, uh, if you haven't been following AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, jump on there and follow. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets, and additionally, extra fantasy content on aflratings.com.au. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 15th. And as always, make necessary adjustments Friday night, Ned Reeves, when news comes to hand. All right, Jeff, just a couple of things. Uh, we have an extra um, trade this week, so that's great. Uh, secondly, and as I mentioned uh, last week, is that once teams hit the buy period, and whether they're in finals contention or not, we can see an adjustment in game style, which can lead about uh, player positions. So you just got to be a little bit aware that there could be some subtle changes or there could be some significant changes there. So new player uh, roles or adjusted roles there. So your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, those that are out of the finals race will try things. And, um, you know, we're accustomed to that every year. So coaches just need to plan for that and be aware of it. Yeah, so just associate a level of risk with trade targets. So if there's a little bit of risk and coming with that, you can see some ownership. If you can put some holes in that, that might be a good week to fade that um, potentially uh, super strong trade target. Well, Jeff, onto some general questions here. What three issues do you think coaches are faced with this week and what advice do you offer? So number one would be fielding 18 players, which... Sounds crazy, but I honestly reckon probably 70% of coaches will struggle to field 18 this week. Um, the advice with that is, well, there can't be really much any except for next year to plan a bit better with the buy rounds. Uh, number two is generating cash. Now, this is going to be a huge one. So we've got more teams on the buy, unlikely look of um, cheapies coming in. So how are we going to generate cash? And obviously – the first thing I'd look to is trading out underperforming primos to discounted premiums. And the obvious one is um, Dan Houston in that sense, who's 571 grand. And there are others amongst there as well. Haynes is an example, even Lockie Neal as well. If you've got a high player you want to, or high premium you want to offload. And then the last one's a captain pick. I, I don't see too many obvious choices for captain this week. So, making sure that you've got that captain pick covered. I think it's going to be a pretty critical week if the vice-captain loophole doesn't come off. Yeah, for me, actually, I said as well, getting to 18 players obviously is crucial this week. Before trades obviously assist somewhat. Uh, so if you uh, need to make some adjustments in your trades based on the fact that you've got four, we'll then go ahead and do that. Uh, generally, there could be some little downgrade options so most people will be looking for a 170k options chip you and i included that i would suggest most of our listeners are in that boat as well so potentially we could cull a premium that is on a buy so those that haven't scored that well uh, might be an answer there for your trade uh, this week so the other one i'm going to throw in here is the lack of discipline under roster pressure so 
the answer here or the advice is to maintain focus and target sharp selections only. So uh, don't, don't be going under undisciplined trades where you think you know, one player had a good score last week, you should continue that for the rest of the season. That's a little bit undisciplined. So just maintain your discipline over uh, the period, which we could be under pressure again this week to make sure that we get to 18, 19 top players. Okay, Jeb, what are the three most important things you can recommend for the second half of the season? So really, um, the first one here is what I'm big on this season is points of difference. Nailing the high scorers for the round that have low ownership, and that might not mean you know the traditional top six forwards and the top eight forwards going a bit um, left field in some instances who have a pretty good short-term draw and who you think can score really well. So points of difference and nailing those high scorers. Uh, number two is plan ahead, obviously. I've said it multiple times and have backup plans. And the Reeves is a good example. Who had the backup plan for Reeves? Who maintained discipline, like you said earlier? Who panics? You know, that's... Um, that could be a stinger, so try and not let that happen. And then the last one's just don't be afraid to take a risk. We're, we're all going to live and die by our choices, but um, if you don't take a punt, it's unlikely you're going to get ahead of rank. So don't leave your run too late. Don't be afraid to take risks, even this week, and um, and back yourself, really. So for me, uh, firstly, playing cut paying close attention to ownership. So that's the weekly trade target. So across social media and other platforms that provide fancy content, you can sort of gauge who the target is for this week. So just be um, aware of who that player or players are and don't be afraid to take take on strong ownership if you think that target has significant risk. Uh, secondly, for those that traded out Brody Grundy, um, have a plan right now to get him back in because he's going to be have to be an insta-trading target pretty much straight away. And with little to no ownership, especially in that top 25 we'll go through shortly, uh, yeah, just, just be aware that you know he needs to be a target uh, as soon as next week, potentially. Uh, thirdly, strength of fixture at the back end of the fixture. So the last three or four or five rounds where you can make up significant advantages um, especially with the high-scoring midfield premiums against uh, soft matchups. So really have a look at that and target specific players and put them in your plan for the remainder of the season. Um, and just the, I'll just add another one here. Just on the radar for the rest of the season, uh, additional Thursday night games. So whether it gets up or not, you've just got to be aware that you know potentially we're going to see some more Thursday night games where we ha- really haven't seen that previously in a home and a, a regular. Uh, pre-COVID home and away fixture. So just be aware of that. And that's going to make caps and choices. And you, you would expect that they're going to put prime time matchups in those slots if it get, gets the go-ahead. So we're going to be seeing the Richmonds in there. We're going to be seeing potentially West Coast in there. Um, and just those, the Bulldogs. So they're, they're potential early captain choices there as well. So just be aware of that. Well, Jeff, onto current assessments, top 25 ownership. I think I said top 20 last week, but it was top 25. My apologies. I'll provide some data here, so I'll just get some feedback and uh, after I mention a few players here. So just onto the rucks, uh, every team in the top 25 has gone. So that's done, 100%. Gone with a uh, Sean Darcy or Riley O'Brien accounts for 72% of teams. One team only in that top 25 has a Grundy and Gorn combination. And that actually looks good for next week, um, providing that team does not trade out Grundy this week, which would be quite strange. But anyway, and the 
Last point on the rucks here is that Sean Darcy is 40% owned. Your thoughts on any of that? Yeah, it all makes sense. Um, I think, obviously, Darcy coming up big was, was handy for owners. Um, but, again, it's how they adapt to this week with no Reeves likely and um, other places to fill. So those rucks are probably going to be both buy rounds. Um or, or a donut with Reeves. So, yeah, again, a lot to play out, but no surprises with those rock numbers. Now, I do a solo podcast uh, the day before this podcast between you and I, Jeff. So I did mention uh, some news on Sean Darcy there. He said post-game, and this is referring to his last week's hamstring injury, he said last week that he did receive a leg cork and there was some bleeding in that spot. So it wasn't actually a hamstring issue. It was just an actual corky. So... Um, he should be good to go now. So I would I would expect that post-game that the players are in that honesty mode, and that's what he said. So uh, good news for those that do own Sean Darcy. There should be no concerns with that hamstring, especially in the short term. All right, Jack, we're going to go into some defenders here, highly owned players. Got Rory, Rory Laird at 96%, Sam Doherty 72, Isaac Cumming 56, Tom Stewart 56, Callum Mills 52, Oleg Markov, 44%. Lockie Whitfield, 60%. Your thoughts on any of those? Now, Lockie Whitfield jumps up to 60%, and you've got to expect that it's going to go up again this week, especially after his low score on the weekend. Your thoughts? Yeah, the Markov one's surprising, but, yeah, Whitfield, I thought, looked a little little off. He wasn't his normal self. Um, obviously, gut running, but, um, yeah, it just didn't didn't appear to me moving that far. It was, the Josh, really. it was the Josh Kelly show last week. It was, and maybe that was part of it. You know, maybe he was getting a little bit frustrated with some of the or lack of ball coming his way. But um, I don't know. I just um, – he was a target for me. I, I had to pick between Taranto and Whitfield last week, and I went with Taranto just on the proviso of, of what every man and his dog was doing bringing in Whitfield. So, yeah, one to watch. I uh, – Carlton, again, pretty good matchup for GWS. But, um, yeah, again, I think those back six are, are pretty set in, in the top 25 and, and beyond. Yeah. Okay, on to midfielders. Jack McRae, 96%. Tim Sarando, 92%. Zach Merritt, 76%. Sam Walsh, 76%. Tom Mitchell, Holy owned 72%. Now, the players that look like they'll be traded out this week, especially on the buy, James Jordan 44%, Ryan Burns 40%. You've got to imagine those players would be yeah. traded on this week. Darcy Parrish 40%, so there's a medium ownership right there. James Harms 44%. Your thoughts on any of those? So none of, no Took Miller there, which is interesting. Nope. Um, no Marcus Montepelli, who's been outstanding yeah. this year. Yeah, and that's, that's another interesting one. So Again, Bont's probably one of those risky picks because he gets the tag or gets lots of attention. Um, and what we mentioned earlier is about high risk, high reward. Uh, but, yeah, look, everything else sort of falls into place. The parish ownership might not even go up given his huge price tag. So yeah. that's that's one to watch. Um, I think, yeah, it's the midfielders are, is an interesting one because I still believe there's value in – some of the discounted premiums there. I really do. Now, I'm just going to go into some low ownership for midfielders here. Jack Steele, 20%. Monster ceiling, big target. Andrew Brayshaw, interesting now. If Nat Fife looks like he's going to come up, but if Nat Fife is shelved for the rest of the year, you've got to expect that Brayshaw is going to be in that high ceiling range. 20% Correct. ownership. 
Brad Crouch. Obviously, big scores recently, 16%. Once he comes off the buy, he should be a target. Matthew Rowe was a little bit of a target last week, 16%. Unfortunately, he struggled on return, but he should be better throughout the remainder of the season. Andrew Gaff, he's one of our favourites early in the season. Low score last weekend, 12%. Do people hold him this week or do people trade him? He's still a unique. Maybe it's a hold. Dan Houston, 20%. He's a low salary type player right now. He's going to be a monster target. I've got to expect that ownership is going to spike next week when we do this again. Jack Crisp, you've got him in your team. Now, inside midfield usage again last week, but can go to halfback. Both score, both roles are premium scoring roles, 24%. He's a little bit of a unique there. A player that struggled early in the year with the back injury, Patrick Cripps, had a few good, uh, three good weeks there, scoring over 100, but was low score before the buy. He's only at 8%. He's a pretty decent salary right there. Ollie Wines is a bit of a target, just under 800k at 8%. And Marcus Bonsampelli, as we said, with little or no ownership, he's at 4%. One, one coach in the top 25 has him. But, yeah, he had decent salary for Bont, and, yeah, he, he's just crushing everything this year. So, But you've got to imagine that um, he's a bit of unique, might be a bit of a target there, Jeff. Your thoughts on any of that? I just think with those that list you, um, you brought up, I think you picked the players that um, sounds horrible but have something to play for this season, i.e. their teams are vying for the eight. So, um, you know, the intent where there can be a drop-off from a Jack Steele because Saints are no longer in the hunt or a Titch because Hawthorne are nowhere near the finals, that kind of thing. There can be that lag and that lapse or poor game, more likely than not. So I think that can play a factor, or it does for me when I pick my primos. Okay, on to some forwards here. Josh Kelly, 100%. Aaron Hall, 96%. Nick Hine, 92%. Isaac Heaney, 56%. Struggled last week uh, due for a buy. Swans having a buy this week. He should come off fresh next week. And Dustin Martin, 56%. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the forwards um, are just a real pain. Uh, the Heaney thing didn't come off, which is a shame, but probably worth the punt, I would have thought, given the short-term draw that Sydney had and now the buy. Um, but yeah, it's I still can't nail it. I still can't nail it down. So again, what do we look to? Some some unique picks in the forward line, um, and go from there. I still don't think like Dusty was great in that last quarter against West Coast. I think he scored forty odd fantasy points in that last quarter. Um, but he can just go missing. Um, so yeah, look, obviously have the Kellys and the Aaron Halls of the world and those high ceiling players. Um, but I think that's where we get a bit creative in the forward line for those who are looking to climb rank. Um, Green from GWS is one that comes to mind. Yeah, the one um, sort of looking back on ownership and where to target, and you mentioned uh, a bit of a point of difference for the remainder of the season, I'd be sort of leaning to those players that I mentioned that had low ownership. Um just to get some difference in your team from those ranked coaches in front of you. So, um, yeah, it'd be like a Bont, it'd be Crouch. I would still go Crouch or Steel, no problem, one or two in that midfield there for the Saints. Um, and, and Houston will be a monster target this week. So, And Brayshaw, if Fife gets ruled out at any stage for remainder of the season, Brayshaw would be a, a monster target yeah. for me. So I, that's pretty you, – you've got to imagine that back six for the defenders is locked in, high ownership, most people are there. Uh, forwards, most people are there with a Kelly Hall and all that stuff. 
and you've got to expect that where you're going to get some change in rank is going to Grundy ASAP, and not only that, is targeting some um, higher high salary players, but that's going to be quite difficult in a situation where we're still struggling to um, put some salary in the bank. All right, Jet, let's move on. Break evens to target that are playing this week. So we've only got three with a negative break even. So it's uh, John Newcomb, who was fantastic on debut, 14 tackles, 87 points, got a, break, a minus 15 break even, 208k. His, his ownership is quite high, you would imagine that. Yeah, he was fantastic on debut. Uh, you've got to expect that he's going to uh, provide a pretty decent uh, return on investment chip. Oh, yeah, he's a no-brainer. If um, you don't own him, you'll, you'll definitely own him by the end of uh, the trades this week. So, yeah, get him in. Nick Bryan, now Sam Draper is due to return, so Nick Bryan might be um, pretty much a nothing uh, scenario for the remainder of the year, but just keep him on your radar. Minus three break even, uh, scored 67 in his one game this year, 195k. James Madden, outside chance there, Jeff, 48.3 on his season average, 229k, minus one break even. Uh, thoughts on either, either Bryan or Madden? Yeah, I think Madden is a good chance to come in, um, but... You know, it wouldn't surprise me if um, they went in a different direction and and maybe put Archie back there or something like that. So, yeah, he's hoping Madden gets a go this week because I'll be bringing him in if he does for sure. I'm just trying to generate as much cash as I can, as, as many are in this week spot. So those with a strong roster this week would be looking to downgrade where possible uh, to complete some upgrades. So it's this is talking about those play those coaches that have uh, you know 19, 20 players rostered for this week. You know they might start to look at players that are on a buy this week just so you can get those premiums in for round 14. So yeah. and one of those teams that coaches may start to target uh, the West Coast players. So you've got Luke Edwards, Luke Foley, Harry Edwards, who were all excellent on the weekend. Um, I thought they were actually really good in their own parts. Now, you've got to be aware that Adam Simpson has repeatedly said the last few days, post-game into early this week as well, is that post-buy, West Coast have four to five players set to return. So as good as... um, Harry Edwards, Luke Edwards and Luke Foley have been, they're actually all of a sudden under pressure to hold their position, Jeff. Your thoughts? Yeah, they are. I think the one, and look, I'd like to think I know my team relatively well. I think Luke Foley's the one you want to target because I believe, and it's personal opinion, it's not as if I've been told anything, uh, that he's ahead of Nelson in the best 22. He was remarkable um, against Richmond. I think he had seven intercept marks. And what I can damn well guarantee is Adam Simpson loves players with courage. If you um, don't put your body on the line, you're not really welcome in the 22. Um, So I can hope that that Foley would hold his spot. I, I could see Nelson going out. The thing with Edwards was, you know, Shuey, Kelly to come back in, plus potentially Brander and what they do with that. But he did really well in that last quarter. He sort of belongs on a wing at this point. He makes good decisions, um, and he's not short of courage either. So, yeah, it's the only thing with Simpson is he, he his history of selection at the selection table sort of suggests the young fellow's got to bide their time. Yep. Foley's a second-year player, um, 
where Luke Edwards is a first-year player. Um, so that might come into play a little bit. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, just got to be aware. And Luke, Luke Foley had an uh, enormous first quarter. So yeah. you you got to think if you know if he does hold his spot that you know he's going to have a pretty decent uh, return on an investment as well well Jeff let's move on now we're getting into the second half of the season we're going to lose some parameters here and we're just going to say premium players to target so these are only playing for round 14 only so we're just going to roll some through um, quite a few players over the next few minutes and just give me one or two lines on your thoughts there so Jack McRae last last four 129.5 high selling player last two uh, 130.5, season average 122.5, 891k, high ownership anyway, so break even 118, but he's definitely target jet, your thoughts? Oh, he has to be, he's just a guaranteed um, performer, so gets the job done with possessions and fantasy. Tweak Miller, low ownership, and uh, this is a good spot for the, those that don't, do own him already, and he's at a big salary jet, so 126.8 from his last four, 145 from his last two, 118.9 season average, 881k. Uh, he's pretty much bulletproof, as I said to your pre-podcast, so break even 113, but he's at a monster salary. Uh, for me, if I could afford it, I would be trading him in as a priority. Yeah, one of my uh, crazy ideas have come off, my friend, because I brought him in during the round 12 buy, and um, was and I happy with his performance last week. So, yeah, look, I, I maintain that these high expensive players, a lot of people, especially this week, trying to generate cash won't be able to afford them. So if you can afford a Took Miller, then grab him. Darcy Parrish, obviously, uh, opportunity uh, presented itself for Parrish early in the season, straight in the midfield, last four, 139.3, last two, 141, season average, 113.3, 879k, again, monster salary, not many could afford him, break even to 90, medium ownership average in that top 25, Jeff. Yeah, I loved him ever since I watched him in the flesh against West Coast when they were here, um, second and third efforts, his intent. I really, really would love him in my team. Um, I'll try and make it happen, but yeah, it's it's a stretch with his surprise, isn't it? We've taken nine weeks, but we've we've t- finally changed our mind, have we? Yeah, mate. Look, I, my yeah, look, my mind was changed when I saw him in the flesh. Um, what was it, round eleven? I think it was. Yeah. Um, so it's just a shame I missed the boat by about seven weeks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, next one, Cam Guthrie, obviously a shoulder concern, and who knows what Chris Cotter's going to do with those late changes there. But anyway, I'm going to throw him in here anyway. So last four, 125. Last two, 121.5, 114.3 season average. Patrick Dangerfield comes back into that team and not necessarily going to play full midfield time per Chris Scott, 840K. Uh, no ownership really, but yeah, check availability on his shoulder. I'm going to say just a hold now for Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's a wait and see for sure. I think um, you give him that week and see see how he's moving and see how he's tackling. Tim Taranto, now big ceiling top player right here, 116.3 last four, 123 last two, 114.2 season average, 838k, not overly expensive, 123 break even, so you can wait a week to get him in if he scores low this week, but he's been pretty consistent of recent times. But what you're going to do if you trade him in is hit him straight into high ownership. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I like Tim Taranto this week just for the matchup, and he's a captain choice for mine. Marcus Bontempelli, this is the one low ownership here, 121.5 last four, 122.5 last two, 110.8 season average, 833k, same as Taranto. 
107 break even. So if you've got a choice between Taranto and Bontempelli, I'd be heading into the Bontempelli range, even though he's still a monster target for a tag, because he has low ownership. So you can potentially find an avenue through those ranked coaches in front of you, Chip. Yeah, it's a long uh, West Coast, North Melbourne, Sydney over the next few weeks. So you'd think O'Connor goes from this week. So it's a wait and see for me. Next one on the list is Jared Lyons. Lockie Neal comes back into the team, but high inside midfield usage for Jared Lyons. 113 last four, 97.5 only last two. Season average of 111.7, 813k, 134 break even, ownership low. Jeb, I might want to see what Neal does to that Lions midfield. Coming back into the team, obviously he came back in pre-buy, but yeah, 134 break even. I might want to wait one or two weeks here, Jeb. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind jumping on now. I, I think some players play better with the stars around him, and I think Neil actually makes lines better. Mitch Duncan, he was a target for a few last week. He comes in and scores 71. Now, he doesn't have high midfield use out centre-bounce usage this year. He's playing more on the outside. But he came back in, and uh, he was quite poor. Didn't see much of it. Looked out of... Just looked out of it for me. Um, 800k, but what we're looking at here is a 166 break even. You've got to imagine in three or four weeks, maybe even two weeks, he's going to be a monster target because he's going to be down in that low 700 range, you would think. So he has low ownership. What are your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, it's, um, he was a target for me this week. <laughs> it was a pre-planned thing. So oh, what do you do? Do you play the numbers game where you just jump on... And, and back him in, given his history and what he can do. So oh, it's a tough one, and I think cash is king, so you probably wait. Aaron Hall, now, obviously that halfback role has actually suited Aaron Hall quite well. We know he's a great, got a f- great fantasy game, so 120.5 last four, 128.5 last two, 102.6 season average, but he's had some injury concerns in that to get that low season average, 787k, 85 break even, Jeb, high ownership anyway, but I still think if you don't have a haul, he's pretty much uh, a must-have in your fantasy team. What are you thinking? Yeah, definitely, mate. I think it's literally one of the easiest picks you can make right now. So he was um, sat on early by Matt Dabour. And I think he only had about 16 points in that first quarter. So, you know, he scores 117 points from that last three quarters. So just have a look at that ceiling right there, Jeb. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just ridiculous. But what he just gives, he offers North Melbourne so much, breaking those lines and, and straightens them up. So, yeah. Sam Walsh, monster target um, early in the season, pre-season, um, all season long, 113 from his last four, 113.5 last two, 108 season average, which has been quite good. 783k, 106 break even, but there is high ownership. If you don't own Walsh, I might be looking elsewhere. What do you think of Nedjet? Um, I think you can let Walsh slide, to be fair. I think if you're going to go that, you, you probably go somewhere with a lower ownership. Josh Kelly has been fantastic um, after early season struggles. So 121.3 last four, 130 last two, 102 season average. Scores 152 on the weekend. Jeppy was fantastic. 7.77K and break even of 78. So you've got to expect some another salary increase here um, this week. But he does have high ownership. 
so much as the high ownership there, this is the one I think you need to eat with the with regards to ownership and still trade him in if you don't have him already, Jep. Completely agree. On to Tom Mitchell, 104.5 last four, 100.5 last two, 106.8 season average, 776K. Now, he's got a break-even of 116, but he does have a high ownership here. Now, he's still going to be a target for many, but he does have a high ownership. Jip, your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is like one I was saying before. I think Titch is one you sort of can go against um, because I, I believe he's going to have the off game here and there. So, look, I'm happy to eat my words, but... For me, it's it's a no for Titch for the rest of the season. And you've got to keep in mind, he might get put in cotton wool with a, a shoulder complaint or, or whatever else. And I know that can happen with any player, but it's more likely to happen to the players outside the finals race. Okay, Dane Zorko, he is suspended for this week. So he's not a target, but, you know, he can be a target instantly after uh, he completes his suspension this week. So last for 117.5. 121.5 last two, 103.8 season average. He did have Achilles issues last year, and that has gone into this year. As I said earlier in this podcast, uh, rounds four or five, that he's been managing that, but he's doing a good job at managing that, of course. So 767K, break even of 92. Uh, just a little bit of ownership, not much, uh, but yeah, suspended for round 14. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, he's, he's going to be a must-have in that forward line. Because I'm, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm still struggling to pick those top six forwards or the top performing forwards for the rest of the season. I'd have Zorko right up there. Lockie Whitfield, obviously we mentioned earlier that he did increase in ownership for those top-ranked coaches, and he was a um, big target for many last week. So 102.3 last four, 99.5 last two, 99.7 season average. He uh, hasn't really shown that big of a monster ceiling since he's come back from injury this year. 745k break even a 117 medium ownership. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's 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 a yes. It's just a matter of when when to push the button. Yep. Yeah, definitely for me, I agree. Okay, onto Jack Zebel. The Kangaroos have had their buy. Um, obviously, uh, with Hall out of that team, that um, Zebel was a big. Uh, player exiting that North Melbourne defence, but 95 last four, 95 last two, 107.5 season average, and the season average is inflated due to his big high ceiling games early in the season. 744k. Remember, he's up in that mid 800s there for a while, Jeb, early in the season. 126 break even, medium ownership there. So maybe, you know, that he can be put in that forward line, Jeb, so he's going to be a target at some stage, and he's pretty much good for a solid 100. What are you thinking? With Zebel, it's it's one of those questions again. I still think he's a top forward performer, but you can probably wait a little while. On to Lockie Neal. Um, I think this could be the target this week, Jeff, for the majority mm. of coaches. So lower yeah. ownership, we know. Um, yeah. he's obviously, he's come back from ankle surgery. So 71 pre-buy he scored, 729K, 127 break-even. Low ownership, 729K for Lockie Neal, Jeb. Um, I'm sold, I'm buying, I'm all in. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's really hard to argue against, isn't it? Um, it's it's just whether he needs a week or two to get you know back into that peak condition. Uh, and that's the only real question mark. Does he need to be in peak condition to turn up? Patrick Dangerfield, Chris Scott says pre-game that he's not going to play uh, pretty much full midfield and he's going to split his time, and that's pretty much what happened. And he only scored 51 points, Jeb. 
last week. So 698k now for Dangerfield, 157 break even, low ownership. I'm thinking we're going to wait a while. We could get a bargain here at low 600s in a couple of weeks. What are you thinking? Yeah, you definitely wait and play the numbers game with Dangerfield um, just based on how Chris Scott's using him for sure. Tom Stewart. Now, we've mentioned Stewart a lot. Uh, I quite like him, but, yeah, he hasn't really hit that 100 average this year. 90.8 last four, 92 last two, and 95.9 season average, 692k. Jet 114 break, even medium ownership. Uh, if you're looking to fill a defender into your back six, I think he still should be a target. Your thoughts? If I'm going to compare Stewart to anyone, I'll compare him to Dan Houston, and which is cheaper. So... I don't think you're missing too much not having Tom Stewart. Patrick Cripps. Now, he scored 300s in a row and was a low-score pre-buy for the Blues. Did cop a massive corky in that game, but it was still a slow-scoring game for Cripps. So he gets the week off. He, he freshens up. 100.5 last four, 96 last two, 90.4 season average. So 657k Jeb, I think it's pretty good value, but he doesn't really have that high ceiling. He's got a break even of 88, uh, low ownership. What are you thinking? Yeah, if you know that with the high ceiling comment, mate. So at this point of the game, you've got to have that ceiling with a, all these discounted. I just um, I feel there's better options. All right, Jeb, who are your top five targets for round 14 in order? Please go. All right, so number one would be um, Darcy Parrish, <laughs> if you can afford it. Can't believe number, it. I can't believe uh, how I far know. you've come. Yeah, but the thing, just with that, I'm just so worried about what he's going to do down in Tasmania this weekend. That's really why. I'm almost having nightmares about it. Um, number two would be Bontempelli. I think that his ceiling game and his high ownership, but what... Can he break the O'Connor tag? That, that's a real question. Um, it's more a long-term sort of approach with Bontempelli. I think um, Whitfield is still value um, and, and he's still in target, so that's three. Number four would be Took Miller, um, again, if you can afford him. But he, although he was phenomenal against 3A, he's going to have the down games here and there. And number five is Jared Lyons. Like I said before, I think that low ownership with Lyons and with Neil coming back in will actually make Lyons better. So just on Darcy Parrish there, Jeb, you know after this week, he could be the highest priced player in AFL Fantasy Classic. Can you believe it? Mate, I believe it. And again, it comes back to what I said about Took Miller before. If you're not picking up a Darcy Parrish in, in two trades, are you? So it's either now or never for Parrish. So you either bet against the house because um, you think – I think we'd all agree that he'd average 100 from here here on in for the rest of the season given the way he's playing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really concerning because I I can only bring in two primos this week if I do look at bringing in Parrish where I can bring in three primos if I don't bring a Parrish and, say, bring in a, a, a Duncan or whoever. So – yeah, it's it's a real curly one. Um, it's almost like a bit of FOMO with it, you know, fear of missing out mm-hmm. of with his high ceiling and he ticks a lot of boxes. But ultimately, I've, there's sense you've got to be sensible, um, especially in my case because I still don't have. I'm quite a way off of filling my team full of primos. I, you know, I'm happy to comment and tell strategy that you know, join and you can. He had 14 tackles on the weekend, but he only had 12 disposals. Now, 
what happens when he gets 20 disposals? So I'm quite happy to sit um, John Newcomb at F8 in round 15. You know that uh, M8, sorry, and and that's you know that is happening in my in my wild spreadsheet that one day I will disclose to the world. But yeah, it's um, you've really got to make sure you have the high ceiling players of value, mate. Uh, for me, uh, number one, Took Miller. I've got him at number one now. Uh, Jack McRae, obviously number two. So it's, um, self-speaking there for McRae. Darcy Parrish, I have at three. I think Aaron Hall's at four for me. Um, a high ceiling player. It is just pretty much bulletproof at the moment, and he's in that premium scoring halfback role. And Lockie Whitfield, number five. Jeb, to final final thoughts on those targets. Yeah, look, they're all high ceiling players, mate. So that's what we're looking for. Okay, other players to target. So we haven't mentioned them already. Uh, so this is below 750k. So playing only for round 14, Jep. So I'm going to zip through a few players here. Sam Doherty, uh, 101.3 season average, 730k break even of 119, but high ownership. Jep, I think we can avoid here if you don't own. Yeah, I agree. I don't see. I see a bit of risk with Doherty, um, especially with the volatile role and and his age and and um, getting through the season in in a sense where he's dominating. Daniel Rich, now 99.1 season average, 710k, 112 break even. But what I like here, Jeb, is low ceiling, uh, low ownership. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, low ownership. Um, and there's obviously the quarterback, so lots of kicks, um, lots of plus sixes and the odd goal or two. So, yeah, I like Rich too. And kick-outs or kick-ins, however you um, suggest what it is. So 89.5 for Brandon Ellis from his last four, 104.3 season average. Now, he is volatile in scoring, can have his low floor type games, 709k, 109 break even but jet low ownership high ceiling type player but yeah massive risk here for those who take the plunge yeah agreed and if we're going to go um by duncan against port adelaide as a wingman it wasn't that great ellis is one of those players where you sort of take the punt in those last three or four rounds i think you know i'm looking at the, his fixture now Carlton round 21, Essendon round 22, and Sydney round 23. So probably Carlton round 21, depending on where he runs at, is probably when I push the button there. Next player, Jada O'Meara, 95.3 season average. Not really a fantasy target for many. 696k, 115 break even. But again, I like the low ownership. But yeah, he misses a game here and there just out of nowhere. So I would avoid. What are you thinking? Yeah, exactly. He's great when he's playing. It's just getting the consistency out of him. So probably no, yeah. Dyson Heppel, halfback role, seen plenty of ball this year for the Bombers. 94.95.4 season every, 686k, 109 break even, medium ownership. So just with that ownership, Jep, I would probably look elsewhere. What are you thinking? Yeah, again, I think we we can pick our defenders. Um, I don't think Heppel's got the highest ceiling where, you know, you'd probably go Houston way ahead of Heppel there. Okay, the next one, Ben Cunnington has put it together. Has put it together recently. 101 last four, 94.5 last two. Now 678k break even of 87. Low ownership, Jip. Um, he does well in Tasmania, but what are you thinking here? Low ownership. No, I, I like him. He's the he's the the heart and soul of that football club, 
and um, you know what his role is going to be in and under. So, you know, if you can handle the 70s one week and 113 the next, it, it, it's doable. But um, I don't think it matters who his opponent is either. So don't mind it. Callum Ward has some ownership from top-ranked coaches. So last four, 102, last two, 99, season average 94. Season average 85.8, 650k. Um, he was a bit cheap a few weeks ago, but break even still 79, low, low to medium ownership. Jeff, thoughts on Callum Ward? Uh, it's a pass for me at this point of the game, but the owners that did grab him a month ago have done well. Nick Hine, now he would have been a pre-season target for many, still has high ownership, 89.2 season average. But Jeff, yes, yeah, 74 from his last couple of games so you've got to be thinking there might be a little bit of a decline here so for those that do own you might want to be starting to move him on post buy those are my thoughts what are you thinking yeah I'm more concerned with his role change um, when he played in round 12 you know he had a bit of time on the wing and half forward and that was alarm bells for me so yeah it's a void absolutely yeah so Guelphie goes to half back um Archie Perkins goes into the midfield and Hine goes to half forward. So, And that's based on the Andrew McGrath injury. So you just got to see how that plays out this week. And then, yeah, if that, if that stays at a half forward role, uh, that is definitely an alarm bells. Okay, Lockie Hunter is our next player, Jeb. Uh, last 4.98, last 2.96, 86.9 season average, 6.42 uh, K salary, so it's still not that expensive. 82 break even, medium ownership. Jeb, what are you thinking? Yeah, love him. I think he's he's a lot. He he can't not be with the way the dogs are going and his his role and involvement between half forward and midfield. Toby Green scores 89 on the weekend. Jeb 637K break even, 95 low ownership. What are you thinking for a forward there? Yeah, I think he's one of these smoky picks that I'm looking at this week. Um, I, I just see it. He's got a history of scoring well. He can turn up. He's had three 100-plus um, games, fantasy games this year. And then, um, sure, he only scores 89 against North Melbourne. But he's a true leader of that club on field. And Carlton Hawthorne, Melbourne and Gold Coast over the next month is very appealing. Joe, in the last quarter, he gets thrown into the midfield there. So that's the bonus there with uh, Toby yeah. Green. But there's not many injuries through that midfield of Giants, so I don't think that's something consistent we're going to see in the short term, at least anyway. Okay, Jack Bowes. Now, 60 last week, 617k, 133 break even. But, yeah, uncontested mark team Gold Coast. Ah, but they struggled last week against Fremantle. It was a poor output from the Suns, and yeah, Bose just 60 points, medium ownership chip. What are you thinking now, Bose? Mate, he went missing in the second half. I uh, I made the big call before the game, t- t- tweeting out that uh, he would ton up, and at halftime he was on 51, <clears throat> doing a little dance and giving myself a fist pump, and then he finishes with, what was it, 60. So, oh, look, he's got the potential, put it that way, um, and... He's one of the best kicks in that back six. Caleb Daniel, uh, 85.8 last four. Jeb, 82.5 season average only, 610K, 93 break even. Medium ownership there, yeah. So season average, 82.5. A couple of really low scores early in that season. So for me, I'm just pretty much a pass on Daniel until further notice. What are you thinking? 
It has to be a pass. We still don't know what his role is. If we could say that he's set for half back from here on in, and and um, Beveridge will just accept the occasional tag, then away we go. But yeah, he's getting thrown around the dartboard too too much, so I'm not liking it. So Isaac Cumming, 101 last, 284.8, season average 593k, 71 break even, but he does have a high ownership in that top 25. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, he's been one of the best mid-prices to start the season, hasn't he? Um, and again, still still playing really well as, as a trade target for others. You, you wouldn't go there um, at this point of the game. Bailey Smith. 79, but 64.5 only from the last two, 82.6 season average, 577k, 101 break even, low ownership. Um, just really haven't seen that ceiling since um, Dunkley and Trelaw have gone out of the team chip. No, we haven't. But again, he's, he's sort of a bit of a utility spot for, for Bevo where he just puts him where he's needed at, at a certain time. And, and that can be outside midfield, Half forward, predominantly. Very rarely is he going on the ball, so it's a no. Okay, this is the target again for this week, I would imagine. So apart from Lockie Neal, I think it's going to be Dan Houston. So last 480, last two 97.5, uh, 83.4 season average. Now he has had some shoulder concerns, a couple of low scores in there, but uh, had a week uh, off and should be fresh. He was quite good last week. Now, he's 571k, break even is 75, medium ownership, top 20%, top 25 ownership. Jeb, I think he's going to see a massive spike in ownership this week, and I think he's the target. Your thoughts? Yeah, God willing, he'll be in my team um, this week, no doubt about it. It was a pre-planned move um, to get him this week from my end, so um, I got to see him play a little bit behind the ball, um, against Geelong, and I thought he played really well. So, yeah, he's coming in this week for me. Uh, one team that's got high ownership there would have been a pre-season target for many and still sitting in their defence is Oleg Markov. So the concerning thing here for Markov is the last four games he's averaged 72.3, um, 80 from his last two, and obviously pretty decent season average of 79.8. 550k jeb, break-even of 88, but it's probably for me to suggest that those that do own him, once we finish the buy period, it might be time to look elsewhere and upgrade Markov. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think now's the time to upgrade Markov if you can, um, if not next week for sure. It's just about nailing the players with the high ceiling and the primos that you can rely on. Zach Williams, he could be a target this week as well, Jeb. So freshens up after some time off at Carlton. So last 480, last 276, season average only 72.7. Had some pre-season injury issues, had some injury issues to start the season. So it's been a bit of a struggle. He's gone to half back and he's that, he could put up some decent scores. It's a little bit dicey, a little bit risky there. 527k is sort of value. Uh, Break-even is 62 and he, he has low ownership, Jeb. Is Zach Williams the type of player that we should be targeting there for value? No, he should not. It's just an avoid. He just still, to me, is, doesn't look fit enough, and he's still finding his place at Carlton. So we've got the choice of 571k for Houston and Zach Williams at 527k. I would suggest that if you don't own Houston, he is your target. Do you agree, Jeb? Yep, 100%. No doubt. 
All right, on to a few players for the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. Jep, to finish off the podcast, time to play like or dislike. We're going to do a seven-pack to finish off. So it's just a straight-up like or dislike this week. So Nick Haynes, 107 last week, 471K. We suggested that if he goes back into that halfback intercept marking type player, that he could kind of put up some decent scores, and he did exactly that. So break even to 35, jet medium ownership. I think it's a massive like for me. Your thoughts? Yeah, like he'll he'll do really well again um, against Carlton, who have a history of butchering the ball inside 50. Zach Bailey, so 78.3 last four, 83.5 last two. 534k break even is 64 jet low ownership but for me volatile scoring it's a dislike yeah dislike for me too jordan degoe so now he is suspended for his return game so he's going to miss the bye this week obviously and he's going to miss the next game so he's probably if you do have him as almost an insta trade out but beyond that when he returns is he going to see that midfield usage? So this is something we're going to have to pay attention to. Robert Harvey, new coach for Collingwood, what is the role for Jordan to go to finish out the year? If the suggestion is he's going to play high midfield usage, I would think that at that salary at 515k that he could be a bit of a target. He has low ownership, but people have been burnt all year by Dugowie. Uh What are you thinking? For me, I'm still going to say this like, yeah, it's dislike for me too. I think at this point of the game, let's go to the top of the cream um, and not dwell down the bottom. Who, you know, he can really kill you. Go go missing games and score supremely poorly. So it might be one of those players, Jeb, where if he is a monster target for the week, you just go right. I'm going to take you on, and then the, the potential is that you it could really benefit your team. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I just. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. I think most of us are filling our sides with with the primos, and, and yes, the forward primos are the struggle. Um, but I still think you can do better. Come on, Ollie Wines. So he's low, very low ownership here. Jep, one hundred six point five season average. Last two, one eighteen point five. Last four, one eighteen seven eighty three k. So he's up there in salary for Wines break even of 100 for me i'm going to say lie but still i don't have the trust no yeah it's it's a funny one isn't it because i don't think he's done anything to put us off ever mm. really mm. um so you gotta say like he he hits all the stat lines he kicks goals he he's a leader of that football club um and they're vying for top four so there's a lot to like it's a definite yes Lockie near we've mentioned We've mentioned him in the podcast, Jep. So just a low score of 71 last game for Neil in his return. 729k, break even a 127, low ownership. For me, massive like you're thinking. Yeah, love it. Jai Simkin uh, does have a low floor, but when he gets going, he does have a pretty decent ceiling, Jep. So 108.5 from his last four. 669k, break even a 69. Uh, definitely unique, Jeb. Low ownership. I'm going to actually say like. Nah, you can't rely on him for consistency, so it's a dislike. Last one to finish off, Matt Real. He was a target for many last week. Unfortunately, he puts up 48 points. Had some sprinkling midfield usage, but did start forward, and we'll see some split role, you would think, for the short to medium term. But Stuart Dew, in his post-game presser, did say he would work into his game, and we he would be better off for that run last week. 
So 492k, break even of 121, I would, so he's got median to low ownership, so I would suggest many people would be still looking at rail. So for me, based on that, and that he's going to get ownership, I would take it on, and I'm going to say this lot. I do like him as a player, and I think he's a good fantasy prospect um, long-term, but just for the remainder of this season, especially when he's going to be a target for me to dislike. Your thoughts? I dislike. You um, You probably have your primos, your mid-primos set regardless. So trying to fit him in, you know, I'd rather start a John Newcomb ahead of Rao at this point, so it's a dislike. Well, Jeff, final thoughts heading into the last week of the buy period? Stay disciplined. Yeah, for me, just obviously get organised, uh, stay uh, close to the news. Hopefully we get a couple of debuts in there as well. And, yeah, uh, all the best. And pretty much it is a culmination of the three-week buy period. It's not just this week. So where you entered the buy period in rank, hopefully you'll come out the other end of it with a very good rank. So all the best this week for the listeners. Um, thanks for tuning in to Episode 93 of the Plus 6 Podcast. Thanks, guys.